to him today? Hallelujah. We belong to him. Hallelujah. You a child of the Most High God? If you are, shout amen. amen. Hallelujah. Well, you may be seated. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us into all truth. Hallelujah. That we're not alone. Isn't that great? Hallelujah. Well, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. You know, we are living in a day and time where those who truly are trusting and believing God, like they did back in the Bible days, that really is a minority these days. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The Lord put upon my heart this account in Numbers 13 and 14. Uh, about the 12 spies who were sent into the promised land. And uh, so I want to pull some things out here. And, uh, so, and I want to show you that back, even back in the Bible days, it was no different. The minority was the ones who were believing God, and the majority, most of them didn't. Amen? Go to Numbers 13. And I'm, I want to start with verses 1 through 3, and I'm going to be going through uh, chapters 13 and 14, but I'm going to go just little parts at a time, pull some things out that the Holy Ghost gave me to share with you. So Numbers 13, verses 1 through 3. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, notice that, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. And then it goes on to list the names of them. I won't go through that. But I want you to notice that God had already given the land of Canaan to the children of Israel. Did you notice that? But they weren't in there yet. But God gave it to them. I want you to notice that, so God gave the land of Canaan, the promised land to the children of Israel, but they had to claim it. They had to go in and occupy it. It wasn't just automatic. Amen? And this is the same concept with the promises of God. God has promised blessings to us as Christians, but we must possess them. Amen? Amen? And there will be opposition to receiving the blessings of God as you'll find out, there were giants in the land. Amen? But God gave it to the children of Israel. Amen? Go to Isaiah, real quick here, Isaiah 54. See, that's what trips a lot of Christians up. They say, well, if God promised it, it's just going to come, right? Automatic. Wrong. Because there's giants in front of that promise that you have to get rid of. And occupy, possess it. Hallelujah. Isaiah 54, and I'm looking at verse 17, very popular scripture. It says this, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Notice there, it says that to the child of God, that no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Now, we could easily just read over that and pass right by what, what the clue that God's trying to give us Christians in there about the enemy. Look at this. No weapon that is formed. You might want to underline that word formed. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Or no weapon that's formed against you shall succeed or carry out its mission. And uh, so this tells us, that word formed, tells us that Satan and evil spirits are desperately trying to form or devise a plan to destroy us. Think about that. Now, that word form is talking about they're strategically 
trying to come up with a plan. They're trying to form a plan or form a weapon to trip you up from going into the promised land. See, it's not just a, oh, they're just taking a shot at you. and No, they're strategically doing something. They know your weaknesses. They know my weaknesses. Amen? And they are trying to form, form that weapon that's going to destroy you. Or going to try to destroy you anyway. Uh, they want to try to make us totally ineffective for Christ. Now, what is the purpose of a weapon? Because that verse says, no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. Well, a weapon is something that's used to kill or destroy something or someone, right? That's a weapon. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus said that the thief comes but for to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but I've come to give life and to give it more abundantly. So we see here, Jesus even said, the thief is coming to destroy you. To kill you. In other words, he's trying to form that weapon. Something in your life that you're going to bite the bait on. That's going to keep you from going into the promised land that God has for you. Think about that. Amen. See, I wanted to plant that in your mind. That it's not just a shot in the dark for the enemy. He knows you. He knows your weaknesses. Amen. And, and he's strategically. The enemy's strategic. How many of you know we need to be strategic as believers? We need to take the, the battle plan from God's word and apply it in our lives. Amen? Now, um, but if we stay close to Jesus, walk in obedience to the word of God, come on, and use our authority in Christ, that weapon that Satan has formed against us will not succeed in its mission. Amen? Hallelujah. No, so I want you to notice that the weapon, if you do your part, it won't succeed or prosper in that mission to destroy you or to keep you out of the promised land. But how many of you know there may be some times where you get wounds or cheap shots from Satan or evil spirits? Come on. Amen. It said in there that it won't prosper. It didn't say it will never be able to touch you or, or, or wound you a little bit. How many of you know even a good soldier gets wounded sometimes in battle, right? Dudley knows he was in the Marine Corps, right? Amen. So we need to know in Ephesians 6, it even says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers. That word wrestle, think about that word now. Wrestling implies that there's, there's a battle, there's a struggle going on between the Christian and the forces of darkness. How many of you know the, the victory's ours? Amen. The victory's ours. That, no question about it. But sometimes there's a wrestling going on. Amen? Amen. So uh, even the Apostle Paul, listen to this. In 1 Thessalonians 2.18, you can write that down and look it up for yourself. 1 Thessalonians 2.18, the Apostle Paul said that he wanted to go to Thessalonica to preach now and once and again. But what did he say? But Satan hindered him from going there more than once. Now, that's the Apostle Paul. Amen. How many of you know if there, there, there's a struggle, he, he got hindered now, here now and then. How many of you know that there's going to be a wrestling match with us against the enemy at times? Amen. So I just wanted to pull that up. But Isaiah 54, 17, it, it went on to say here, you know, no weapon formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against thee in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage. Underline that word. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Of his children. What's so important about the word heritage there? Heritage or an inheritance must be obtained. Listen to this. The word heritage is defined, I looked this up, it's defined as this to assign a portion. See, God has assigned a portion of blessing to us. Amen? Just like God assigned a portion of land to the children of Israel. But they still had to go in and possess the promise. All right, I'll let that soak in for a minute here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Think about that. Now, um, don't think for a moment that as you go in to claim the promises and obtain the promises of God, don't think for a moment that Satan and evil spirits are just going to sit back and let you have them. Think about it. They're not going to. 
They're not going to let you have those blessings uncontested. But we need to be relentless. The Bible even calls Christians soldiers. Amen? We're soldiers. We need to be relentless, bold. And once you have the blessing, don't let it go. Don't let it go. Amen? Talked a little bit about that at the healing meeting. So we see that God gave the children of Israel the land of Canaan. It's called the promised land. But they had to go in and occupy it. And they had to get rid of the enemy or the hindrances that were in their way to take that land. Now go back to Numbers 13. It's not automatic. Yeah, God promised it to them. But they're also required to go in and possess the land. Amen? Numbers 13. Look at uh, verses 17 through 20 I want to read here. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward, or go south, and go up into the mountain, and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. So in other words, how many hindrances do you have here? Who's, this, who's standing in your way? And what the land is, uh, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what, what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And listen, and be ye of good courage, and bring, the, bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time, the time was the time of the first ripe grape. So now, verse 2 Verse 2 reveals to us in verse 13, or chapter 13, that God told Moses to send spies in there. Why, why would God send spies or tell Moses to send spies into the land that he promised them already? Why would he tell them that? Think about this. The Holy Ghost showed me this. That there will be times in your life when God will put a desire in your heart and then he'll test your faith. He'll test your trust in him to bring it to pass. How many of you know there's tests in our life, lives? Amen? Well, why would God go tell them to send spies? Because God wanted to send them out to see if they... Because God knew who was in the land. Amen? God knew everything. God knew who was there. But God was testing the faith of his people. He was seeing if they really trust him or not. Listen to this. God put a desire in the hearts of the children of Israel for the promised land, the land of Canaan. But then he sent 12 spies in the land to test their faith. I want you to notice this from that, that God was pointing the children of Israel to the future and not back in the past. He was pointing the children of Israel to the future. Now, sure, there were consequences. How many of you know? There were consequences for the children of Israel, their disobedience. Amen. Remember the rebellion? That's why they went around the mountain and around the wilderness for 40 years. Amen. But that wasn't the will of God. Come on now. I hear some people say, well, it's just the will of God for them to go around 40 years. Really? I don't think so. I think if they were obedient to God in the first place, it wouldn't have lasted that long. Amen. But God's will was for them to move forward, to look forward to the future. And there are some listening to me in this room, on the internet, and on the radio broadcast, that God has put a desire or a dream in your heart. And now and then, God will give you a glimpse of the future. How many of you ever had that? God, God's put a desire, something in your heart about your future. And once in a while, he'll give you a glimpse of it. How many of you know in your prayer time or whatever, you're just reading the word, he gives you a glimpse of it. But some are allowing the past to dictate their future. Remember this, remember this. Satan will always use pictures of your past to blur and distort the picture of your future. Mm, mm, mm. Listen to this. Yesterday is not in your future. Someone needs to hear this. 
You can change your future, but you can't change your past. What's done is done. Amen? That's why the word says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Amen? And notice that in that verse, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. Sometimes it takes a reaching or a pressing, come on, to overcome the failures of your past. Oh, come on. But it can be done. Your past, the emotion, emotional baggage that you're holding on to can be overcome. But sometimes it takes, takes a pressing, a reaching. Amen? God's will is for you to look to the future, not to the past. Hey, you can look in the past if it was positive. If it's negative and it's hindering your future and present, get rid of it. How many of you know it would have been disastrous if the Apostle Paul and Peter would have held on to the baggage of their past? Paul used to kill Christians and persecute Christians for the, for the, who were believing in the gospel. Peter denied Christ three times. What if they would have kept looking back at their past? Think of how the gospel would have been hindered. And I ask you, those who are listening to me today, how many are being hindered because Satan's putting a picture of your past to blur your future? Amen? No, you need to turn around and look in front of you at all the things that God has waiting for you in the future. Amen? Remember, yesterday is not in your future if you don't let it. Amen? Hallelujah. Let me see. I want to see if there's something else here I wanted to pull out here. All right. Go to 26 and 27. Hallelujah. Verses 26 through 27 of Numbers 13 here. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of Israel. So the spies came back now. The 12 spies came back. And they went to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel. They, they're coming back with a report about the land. Unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh. And brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came unto the land where you sent us to go. And surely it flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. And they probably showed him a big old grape. Amen. They came back and said, man, this land is amazing. It's wonderful. So the spies came back and said, sure enough, all the rumors we heard about the land of Canaan, the promised land are true. This is a wonderful place. Now, how would they handle the test? Do they believe what God said about the land? Do they believe that that land belongs to them? Let's find out. Verse, verses 28 through 29 now. Nevertheless. Oh, man, just that one word it starts out with, nevertheless. Oh, so they say the land's good, the land's good. But then they say, nevertheless. Oh, that faith-destroying word there, amen. Nevertheless. The people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled. There's walls around the city. And very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. They're, they're giants. And Am Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and, and, and all these ites. <laughs> Amen. Dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. Basically what they're saying is, all of our enemies are in this land. So 10 of the 12 spies have failed the test and have totally taken God out of the equation. They have allowed fear and the natural circumstances dominate their thought life about the place that God said belongs to them. All of the promises that God has spoken to them have gone out the window as far as their mind and their thought life is concerned. There it is. You know, the Holy Ghost keeps bringing me back to the thought life. Thought life, thought life. Because your thought life is going to dictate your faith. Let me ask you this. 
Are you a naysayer or a giant slayer? Think about that. Are you a naysayer or a giant slayer? You see, God will give you a big enough vision and a mission that you can't fulfill without him helping you. Amen? Because at that point, he's the one that will get all the glory for it because there's something you couldn't do in your own strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, God has called us, Revival Christian Center, to take Macosta County and beyond for the Lord Jesus Christ. Has he not? Some will say, that small church, what possible good could they do? Amen? What good could Revival Christian Center do, that small church over there? Amen? Well, little do they know that RCC is and is going to be a torch for the Lord Jesus Christ that's going to consume the devil's territory and make history as God opens the doors for us to walk in or through. Amen? Hallelujah. Or how about the naysayers who say, how can that little church buy that Trinity building for $400,000? How can that little church afford that? Amen? Little do they know that God has picked up the tab. And he has given RCC a door of opportunity to shake this community. How many of you, did you hear that? I said, little do they know that God's picked up the tab. Why? Because we're going to use that building and that seven and a half acres for him. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. See, my natural eyes might see circumstances, but the eyes of faith see the promises of God and prosperity. In fact, I've called this message the eyes of faith. My natural eyes see the circumstances. Yeah, their natural eyes seen the giants in the land. Amen? But only two came back after seeing it through the eyes of faith. Amen? You see, some trust in horses, some in chariots, but I'll trust in the name of the Lord, as the word declares. I will not be taken. I will not be shaken by the flesh or the enemy. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen? You see, listen to this. The Holy Ghost gave me this, and it's sticking with me the whole week. God picks up the slack where we lack. God picks up the slack where, where we lack. My needs are supplied by his riches. Your needs are supplied by his riches. Amen? Those 10 spies that came back with that evil report, those 10 spies were so foolish. They have seen the power and the miracle working power of God performed in the past. But right at the border of the promised land, they were ready to give it up. They're ready to throw in the towel. Some of you here and listening to me are so close to your breakthrough, but you're ready to throw in the towel after everything that God has done to, brought, to bring you to this point. Right up to your breakthrough. Amen? But now, you let the enemy wear you down. You're ready to throw in the towel when you're right there. Ready for that breakthrough. You're ready to roll over and play dead. Well, I'm calling out from the rooftop today that you need to arise. Put your spiritual armor on. Pick up the sword of the Spirit and believe God to bring forth your victory in your life. Amen. The promised land to come to pass. But you need to do something about it. You need to go in and get rid of those giants. You need to go in and possess the land. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Look at verses 30 through 33 of Numbers 13. 30 through 33. And Caleb stilled the people. So these 10 spies just get, got done speaking negativity, saying it's over, guys. You know, <laughs> we might as well not even try. Caleb says this. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once. 
and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with them with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Oh, they took the God factor out. Not even thinking about the power of God. Amen? Listen. And they brought up or, and they brought up an evil report. Underline that. An evil report. I'm going to pull something out of a minute. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through, through which we have gone to search it is a land that, that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people uh, that we saw in it are men of great stature, stature. So these people are still talking negative, the other spies. And there we, we saw giants, the son of Anak, which come, to the, uh, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight. Underline that. We were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Yeah, I agree with them. In their own sight, they were as grasshoppers compared to those giants. But they weren't looking through the eyes of faith. Amen? So now Caleb comes along. With, this, with the pity party that these other spies, Caleb comes along and breaks up the party. Amen? He comes along with a different perspective. He was looking, as I said, at the land through the eyes of faith in what God said. My question is this. Are there any Caleb's in the house today who believe God? Who will believe God? Who believe in the power of God and the provision of God? Amen. Are there any Caleb's out there? Now listen. Do you want to know why the report of the ten spies was called an evil report and not just a bad report? Oh man, the Holy Ghost just illuminated this to me. There's a reason why the Holy Ghost put in there an evil, called the negativity an evil report. Don't, don't, don't miss it. Don't miss it. It's there for a reason. How many of you know every word in the Bible is there for a reason? Amen? So he calls it an evil report because it was contrary to what God spoke to them about the situation. And Romans 14.23 says this, whatever is not of faith is sin. That's why negativity and speaking against God's promises is called an evil report. Because Romans 14, 23, whatever's not of faith is what? Sin. sin. How many of you know sin is evil? That's why it's called an evil report. So how important are the words that come out of your mouth? How important are the words that come out of your mouth? How important that your words line up with God's report? How important are the, word, the negative words that come out of your mouth that are contrary to God's report? It's sin if it contradicts what the word says. And you heard it right here at Revival Christian Center. Come back next week. Amen. <laughs> Seriously. It's sin. Anything, when you speak against what God said, really what you're doing is you're coming against God's integrity. Because the word says that God cannot lie. And if you truly believe it, you're going to act and spe- you're going to speak and act like it in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. And unbelief, how many of you know unbelief is sin? Unbelief, and that's what this was. It was flat out black and white sin, unbelief. Right? Now, go to numbers 14. Numbers 14, 1 through 4. Hallelujah. Ooh, God's working something in us, people. He's getting us ready to cross the Jordan. Amen? He's getting ready to bring us into that promised land. Personally and as a congregation. I truly believe that. That prophecy on the back wall, amen, it's going to come to pass. And if you don't remember it, read it before you go. Hallelujah. Numbers 14, 1 through 4. Listen to this. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept all night. What were the people crying about? They wept when the ten spies came back and said, we're not able to take this land. The people now are upset. They bought in to the lie of the devil. 
And all the congregation lifted, lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept all night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. Ooh, that, that's powerful. And the whole congregation said unto them, would God that we have died in the land of Egypt. In other words, we would have rather stayed in Egypt than follow you guys. Oh, God takes that personally. I'll show you why in a moment. Or would God that we have died in the wilderness. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were, were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return unto Egypt. So these people now bought into the lie of the devil. They're ready to get rid of Aaron and Moses as their leader, make new captains, and go back into captivity. Isn't that special? You see how crazy the human mind can be sometimes? Amen? So God is telling Moses about the promised land. God tells Moses to send 12 spies into it. I want you to notice God didn't speak to the whole congregation, did he? No, he spoke to his chosen leader. The 10 spies came back with an evil report. Uh, and listen to this. They must have lacked trust in Moses, their leader. Now think about this. They lacked trust in their leader because the evil report that caused the children of Israel to murmur, the, it, the evil report caused the children of Israel to murmur or to backtalk, backbite, gossip against Moses and Aaron, God's appointed leaders. You see, the people were ready to pull Aaron and Moses out of there and put new leaders in. Think about this now. The people must not have trusted the God-appointed leaders then. Well, of course they didn't. If they didn't trust God Almighty, they weren't going to trust God's leadership. Amen? Now listen to this. So not only did that evil report misrepres misrepresent God and undermined his leadership, God-appointed leadership, listen to this. It caused strife and division in the camp. How important are words? How important is it that your words line up with God's word? Very important. Because if they don't, it can cause a domino effect in a local church. Think about this. So the children of Israel wanted to appoint new leaders and go back to Egypt. It took... 40 years of going around a mountain and around the wilderness to get Egypt out of the children of Israel. Think about that. That's why I say if they were obedient from the get-go, they wouldn't have been in that wilderness for 40 years. In fact, the New Testament says that the Old Testament was written for our admonition or for our benefit. Why? So we wouldn't make the stupid mistakes that these people made. Amen? Think about it. God doesn't want you and I going around the mountain for 40 years or all of our life and never coming to understanding the will of God. That's not, amen? Yeah, in a nutshell, James Brandt translation. It was written for our benefit so we wouldn't do the same stupid stuff as the other people in the Old Testament. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Um, so you see the, the, the junk, the division that this sowed amongst the children of Israel. Amen? It, it caused division. It undermined God, undermined his leadership. And I'm telling someone here, someone who's listening to me on the internet, radio, whatever. If you're connected to a local church where you don't trust the leadership, you have two choices. You can either change or you leave. It would be better for you to leave and find a new church than to cause strife and division where you're at. Come on now. Because you are putting yourself in danger of judgment by causing strife and division within the body of Christ. Within that congregation. And it doesn't matter if even if you have a valid, valid point. 
if you're going to sow strife and division, judgment will come on you if you, don't, if you don't repent and turn from it. And that's very evident from the word of God. So many, te- so much, many accounts in the word where if people are sowing strife and division, speaking against leadership, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a pastor. I'm just telling you for your admonition so you don't do something stupid, amen, and cause judgment to come upon yourself. I don't want that. And I'm talking to the people on the internet and radio too. Amen. Hopefully you all here are happy. Amen. Hopefully you all can trust me. Hallelujah. I believe you can. Numbers 14, uh, verses 10 through 12. I want to show you something here. But all the congregation. So, so now... Caleb and Joshua takes hold with Caleb and says, yeah, we can take this thing. Look at verses uh, 10 through 12. But all the congregation. Now, that's interesting. It just doesn't say some of the congregation. It says all. All of the congregation bade and wanted to stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all of the children of Israel. God had to come down and say, this is enough. Amen. Look at how. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be that they, uh, that they, don't, that they won't believe me? For all of the signs which I have shown them. Look at verse 12. I will smite them with the pestilence or sickness and disease he's talking about there. Or in other words, they're opening the door up to get bit. He's saying his protective hand's going to be lifted because they're sowing division in the court. I mean, in the congregation. I will smite them with pestilence and, and disinherit them. Oh, my goodness. Disinherit? Think about this. God was pretty ticked off. And will make, make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. Now the first point I want to bring up here. When you begin to have radical faith in God's word and in his promises, people will tend to stone you. Yes, and yea, even those, some of those in the body of Christ. If you are going to choose to to believe God radically, like Joshua and Caleb, you're going to have some people who are going to want to stone you. Maybe not with physical stones, maybe some would. But with their words, you're going to get stoned. They're going to try to stone you. Amen? Amen. Now, uh, so the people were going to stone Joshua and Caleb for simply trusting and having confidence in what God said. Think about that. God showed up to Moses and said, this is enough. How long will these people provoke me? Now, it's interesting when God showed up on the scene. When did he show up? When the division and strife entered into the camp. Amen. When they came against God's leadership even. Because I told you, I mentioned it. I said, God takes it personally when you come against leadership in the body of Christ. Why? Because they're representing him. They are a spokesman for him. So you come against the leadership, you're saying, God, I don't like who you've chosen. I don't like what you're saying. You understand that? Say amen if you understand that. Amen. Um, Let's see here. And God came down. And rebuked the people's unbelief also. Remember this. Rebellion is always at the heart of unbelief. Rebellion from God is always at the heart of unbelief. It's always going to breed rebellion. Always. And it did here with the congregation. Amen? It was a sin and it provoked God to anger. Go to Hebrews 3. I want to show you something here as I'm getting ready to finish up. Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, Over in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 
through 13. I want to show you something here. It says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice. Notice this says, if. Why? Because we all have a choice to listen to him or not. Amen. If you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. So now God's referring back to the wilderness journey of what we're talking about here. They were in the wilderness at that time, right? When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation. Why, God? Why were you grieved with them? And said, they do always error in their heart. And they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Look at verse 12. Take heed, brethren, or believers or Christians. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. In departing from the living God... But exhort one another daily while it, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. My goodness. Now look it. It says here, take heed, brethren, in verse 12 and 13. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. There's that word evil again, connected with unbelief. An evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So if your unbelief can make you depart from God, your faith can make you arrive to God. Think about it. It can draw you closer to him. Amen. But what I want to pull out is 13. Look at this. But exhort one another daily. Underline that. Exhort one another daily. How important is Christian fellowship? Being connected with other believers outside of these four walls here. Very crucial. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Christian fellowship. Good Christian fellowship. Someone you can study the word with. Someone you can pray with outside of these four walls, I'm telling you. If you can get connected with someone, it will keep your heart from getting hardened. It will help you stay away from sin. Why? Because it's the A word, accountability. Think about it. Accountability. If you're meeting with someone on a regular basis, that person should keep you accountable. How you doing today, James? You know, I'm, I'm having a rough week. Maybe we can pray about this. You know, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Oh, well, let's go and study this in the Word because it deals with your problem. You see how that fellowship, that accountability will keep you in check. There's too many lone rangers in the body of Christ today. Amen? Amen. Now, so exhorting one another daily can keep our hearts, our spirits, sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Oh, think about that. Hallelujah. But when you decide, when you make the decision to have radical faith in God, in His Word, it will reveal who your true friends are and who those, who you, who you, the, who's not really your true friend. You understand what I'm saying? It will sift through your relationships real quick. Amen. Now, doubters are agitated by your faith and confidence in God. Now, doubters, I'm talking about people in the body of Christ. I'm not just talking about sinners out there, amen, who are in the strip clubs and all that junk. I'm talking about people who sit in the pews and chairs every Sunday in church and maybe some Wednesdays. Doubters are going to be agitated by your faith and confidence in God. When you talk about your faith in God, expect your adversaries to come to the surface. <laughs> when you talk about having faith in God, I'll say it one more time, expect your adversaries, your enemies. Yes, I hate to say it, 
even in the body of Christ, they're going to surface and they're going to say, who do you think you are? Believing God like that. Who do you think you are? Confessing the word. Who do you think you are? They're threatened by it because they know deep down that they wish they could be to that spot, but they're too lazy to do what it takes to get there. Amen? Hallelujah. So get ready for persecution. If you're going to have true faith in God, amen, sometimes that persecution will even come from within your own family. Elizabeth and I know that, don't we? That persecution, when you stand up to believe God, that persecution, look out. It could be that person sitting at the dinner table with, table with you. Amen? No, you need to get on the same team and both hook up your faith and get connected. Amen? Iron sharpens iron. Amen? Some of, some of us need a little more sharpening than others, though. Amen? That's why it's important to get connected with good Get connected. If you're lacking in your faith, if you're lacking in, in your Christian walk, get connected with a mentor who can, who can keep you accountable and someone who their faith can rub off on you. Their enthusiasm can rub off on you. Their love for Jesus can rub off on you. Amen? That's good preaching. Amen. Now, hallelujah. I want you to notice, in this account with Joshua and Caleb, the majority agreed with an evil report. What's the point? Don't ever assume that the opinion of the majority is correct. Don't ever assume that the majority is correct. Do your own studying. Use wisdom. Amen? I want, I'll venture out to say this as I did earlier again. Joshua and Caleb's in the body of Christ today are still the minority. Still the minority. Concerning the promises of God... Do you want to know who one of the worst enemies is against the, uh, against the promises of God, other than the, the Satan and demon spirits? Ourselves. Amen? Look, the enemy can put roadblocks in your path or try to, but the enemy can't make you do anything. Amen? He can't make you do anything. Devil made me do it. No, he didn't make you do it. No, he can't overpower your will, amen? But your will can come in agreement with the devil's, and that's where you get hindered. Think about it, amen? Amen. Now, so if you will only believe what God has said and act on his word, if you will view everything through the eyes of faith, your heritage, your inheritance as a child of God will surely come to pass and you will enter in to that promised land you will enter into the promises god has prepared for you even before the foundation of the world amen, amen. if you're a caleb stand up in this place this morning hallelujah hallelujah if you're a caleb if you're a joshua if you're ready to have that radical faith and you don't care what anyone else says lift your hands to the lord hallelujah i don't care what the world says I don't care what they say about me. I'm going to have radical faith for God and stand for the Word of God, for the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth. I'm ready to go to the ends of the earth wherever God calls me to go. God tells me to go to a place, that provision is going to be there for you. You've got to go in and possess it. Amen? Now, maybe there's someone in here who's never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life. Friend, you're a child of the devil, if that's you. And you need to get adopted this morning. Adopted into the family of God. Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not yes, not Today. Make the decision today. Because you don't know how many breaths you have left in your lungs. How many beats your heart has. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I want you to come down to this altar, and I want to pray with you to receive him as Lord and Savior. Maybe you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for a while, whatever, but you haven't been walking the walk. 
If you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, I want you to come down to this altar and have a new beginning with God. You want to be a Caleb. You want to be a Joshua. If you've never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, Jesus said you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be witnesses for me unto the uttermost parts of the earth. If you've never received the second experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to be a powerful witness for Jesus and all of the other wonderful benefits that come along with it, with Him, not it, Him. The Holy Spirit's a person. It's Him. Not flesh and blood. I'm not talking about that. But He's got mind, will, and emotions. He's a person. I want you to come down to this altar to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you need a healing in your body. Come down to this altar. Maybe you need a miracle in your life. Maybe you need someone to come in agreement with prayer about something. Come down to this altar. If, if that's you on any of those four, come down by the, the piano there. And I'm just opening this altar up for those who say, I am going to stand up against the majority of the naysayers. I'm going to be a giant slayer from this day forward. I am a Joshua. I am a Caleb, spiritually speaking. If that's you, I want you just to fill this altar and tell God you're ready to have radical faith. Hallelujah.
is looking over the whole earth to see those who believe him. He's searching you out. If you're one of them, lift your hands to the Lord. Say, here I am, Lord. Use me. Hallelujah. He's just looking for those who believe him, who believe his report. Hallelujah. if you just want to put on the, uh, the exit CD there now. Guys, I think the, the Holy Ghost is speaking loud and clear of what he's trying to get across here. Amen? Especially as we cross the Jordan into that new building. Amen? Yeah, in the natural, 400,000. Whoa, man, oh man. But through the eyes of faith, no problem. Amen? Let's believe God to do his part. Let's just do our part. God's going to do his. Amen. Go out in victory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. <laughs> 